Welcome to the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil. Track proven, race ready, and find a Lucas Oil retailer at lucasoil.com. Today we have a really special guest on the show. This man took a 50-year-old car named Challenger 2, and he went to Bonneville, and he went 446.605 miles per hour one way. And he backed that up with a return run of 450.909 miles an hour for a two-way average of 448.757 miles an hour, becoming the fastest man on earth in a piston-powered automobile. Welcome to the show, Danny Thompson. Uh, thanks so much, Ralph. Nice introduction. I like that. Made, made my the hair in my arm stand up. Well, listen, I didn't do anything. That was all you and your dad, Mickey, and we'll get into that in a little bit because it all that all whole accomplishment really starts with him and the Challenger too. Um, how you said that made the hair in your arm stand up to hear it, and I know that has to be for a lot of reasons. Some just because of the accomplishment, the miles an hour becoming you know, putting your name in the record book like that. But there was so much involved in getting to that point. What are you most proud of when you think of that moment and that record? Is it the record itself or the overall accomplishment that it took to get there? Well, I think the overall accomplishment, it was, uh, you know, when we first started this project, I thought, well, we'll take this car out of mothball storage and uh, whip it out in about a year and go up there and, you know, see what we can do and, and hopefully do well. And, um, it took eight years, eight years of seven days a week. And uh, so to get it done and to make it happen and lots of ups and downs as in, in any motorsports deal or any any part of life. But it all uh, it all worked out in the end. And, you know, we came up with a record. And uh, I mean, to finish something that my dad started, you know, so many years ago. I mean, he was the first American to ever go over 400 miles an hour in 1960. But he didn't get the record because he broke on the return run. And so, you know, when he came to me and I think, ooh, 87, 1987, and he said, you know, I want to run this car again and I would like to have you drive it. Well, that was a milestone because my dad forbid me to ever race any cars or anything. So for him to come back around and and for us, to, we were going to do that as a father-son team. And then my my father, you know, passed away shortly after. And, and then, you know, it set for a lot of years and. It was just, it was one of those deals that had to be done. And I was sitting on the couch with my wife, Valerie, and, you know, I said, I wonder if I could go 400 mile an hour in that car being as old as it is. And and then nothing happened. The next week I, I told her, I said, you know something? I don't want to be sitting on this couch when I'm 80 years old, wondering if I could go 400 miles an hour. So that's, that's where it all started right there. You know, uh, it sounds very simple, but I, spent a lot of time chatting with you during that process as the different places we'd run into each other and just on the phone, you, you put everything into that, Danny, not just, not just, you know, blood, sweat and tears, but financially, I mean, your whole family did. And so many of your dad's friends as well. Uh, I don't think people really grasp how big of a challenge that really was. It was huge, Ralph. It was, um, I mean, it's certainly the hardest thing I've ever done. And, the thing about land speed racing is you don't get to you don't get to go next weekend and do it again or the next week and do it again if you have a failure. I mean, basically, you get to run two or three times a year during August and September, and that's it. So when when you get there, you better have it all together. And and 
you know, for a few years we didn't there, you know. So, I mean, we went through some clutch problems. We broke uh, six rods in the front motor one year. And, I mean, it was it's it was the absolute hardest thing I've ever done. But that being said, certainly the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. How much of this was all about cementing your dad's legacy as well? Um, there's, you know, there's, there's almost two sides to your dad's story. Um, there's what he accomplished as a racer, the land speed records, the Indy 500, the off-road racing. I mean, there's so many things about your dad and everything that he did that maybe a lot of people don't know about as a racer uh, and as an engineer uh, on his own. Um, and then there's this tragedy over here that maybe a lot of people think of the tragedy too much and not about what Mickey Thompson was as a racer and what he meant to the industry. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, and that's, it's kind of the last thing you hear is, you know, that my dad got killed and, you know, you're talking about one half of 1% of his entire life. If you, if you turn around and look, if you read Eric Arneson's book, uh, the Mickey Thompson book, it, it kind of covers everything in there. I mean, the guy did everything and, you know, he wasn't an educated man or anything. He was, he was self-educated and he just, I mean, when he built Lions Drag Strip when he was 29 years old, I mean, he yeah. was just a kid, you know, and, and pulled that off and it became one of the most famous drag strips in the, in all of the United States and, and safety and engineering and, yep. and coming up with new things. I mean, it was like, you know, here's a, here's a drag racer and a California hot rodder that goes to Indianapolis with a, with a rear engine car. I mean, the guy was, the guy was incredible. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the book. I have it sitting right here in front of me, and I just showed it to our audience. Uh, and I spoke with Eric, uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, about it. And and there are so many incredible things about what your dad did. And he, like you said, was self-taught. So a lot of this was just his brain working, and it was almost difficult for people to stay up with him, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, almost. Almost. It was impossible. I mean, if we had all this stuff that we have now with iPhones and and all the different computers and all that kind of stuff back when he was alive. I mean, as it, as it was, I mean, he'd call me at two o'clock in the morning and say, I got this idea. And, uh, if you get down to the shop right now and start doing it, when I get there, you'll have it done. And I'm going, it's two o'clock in the morning. He says, well, then you better get going. You know, but I mean, that's just how the guy was all the time. I mean, you'd wake up in the morning and he'd have, you know, 15, 16, 17, uh, items that he had thought about during the night that he woke up and wrote down or, you know, didn't sleep at all. So yeah, he's quite a man. When you make a 400 plus mile an hour run down the salt at Bonneville, most of us will never do that or even come close to it. When you get over 200 miles an hour is 300, like 200 is 400, like 300. How different is it? You know, things, things are happening so fast, Ralph, like, at 400 miles an hour, you're going over two, two, two and a half football fields per second. So, like, if you're getting ready, if you're thinking about getting to the five mile mark where you start put, shutting fuel off and and pulling parachutes and stuff, you better start you better start getting ready at the four because in seven seconds you're going to be at the five. So, it's a uh, it's a pretty incredible feeling and and the things you do, you know, when that happens, it's you know the one thing that's really unique about Bonneville, and I don't think most racers are general public understand is you got those one or two shots to do it so you you prepare for a year you get in the car and now you haven't been in that car uh for a year and your first runs 400 miles an hour 
you don't get to go make a warm-up run or you know two or three half passes or something like that in in the situation with our car with two engines and everything it's so complicated you got to make every single run you know count and it's probably about ten thousand bucks a pass to make a run at bonneville for us and so you got to have it together or, or as together as you think you can get it and and without driving for a year and you jump in and go 400 miles an hour in the first pass it's a, it's a different form of motorsports at 430 miles an hour she broke loose on you got sideways how do you control that you know that's that's a great question and i don't I don't really know the answer. I guess as most people out there being racers and, and understand, you just, you just react, you know I mean? Thing, things happen so quickly. That car went, that car went 90 degrees sideways at 430 miles an hour. And it went, it went deadlock to lock three times. And it was to us, it was our last pass. You know, we we're out of money. We couldn't come back the next year. Um, and it was kind of like the, the thing you do when you get sideways at Bonneville is you, you pull the parachute because what that does is separate separate the center of pressure from the center of gravity, and it gives the car some stability. And so, if it gets sideways, pull the chute. But we got sideways, and we just uh, we we're off the throttle a little bit, back on the throttle, off and on. You know, it, it was our last chance. So it was, do you give this run up and not make you know your your eight year struggle, um, or do you or do you go for it? And you know, we elected to go for it. And how you think about all that and that kind of time. I don't know. It just I guess it just all happens. We're going to take a quick break here on the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil. Of course, this is the 85th anniversary of Speed Sport, and we covered Danny's trials and tribulations as he chased that record and then made it right here in the pages of Speed Sport. So make sure you go to speedsport.com and start your subscription today and get a copy of the 85th anniversary issue, limited numbers of those. We'll be right back for more of the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil with Danny Thompson. As your power steering pump ages, seal leaks may occur, causing the power steering system to lose fluid. Your power steering system may also develop an annoying squeal, and the steering may become more difficult to handle. By using Lucas Power Steering Stop Leak, you will stop the seal leaks, reduce slack in rack and pinion, eliminate the squeals and hard spots in your power steering system. It is guaranteed to stop seal leaks for your money back. Lucas Power Steering Stop Leak. It works. We will be celebrating Speedsport's 85th anniversary this year. Incredible how time flies by. To help commemorate the occasion, we've unveiled the Vault Collection of merchandise. A really cool variety of t-shirts, hats, posters, and a lot more. It's all available right now in the store at Speedsport.com. Shop for yourself or get a gift or two for your racing buddies. The Vault Collection of merchandise. Available now in the store at Speedsport.com. Welcome back to the Ralph Shaheen Show, presented by Lucas Oil. Lucas Oil, track proven, race ready. Find a Lucas Oil retailer at lucasoil.com and you can check out their Lucas Oil heavy duty oil stabilizer on the website. Talking with Danny Thompson about racing at Bonneville and setting records of his legendary father, Mickey Thompson. Uh, Danny, how is the salt these days? Ooh, so last year, 2018, when, when we went 448, uh, it was excellent. It was it was the best it had been in years and years, and and it was a real dry year. And everybody's got a theory on you know too much water, too less water, this or that. Now that being said, this year, last week was uh, Speed Week, 
and the salt was absolutely terrible. It rained. It rained uh, the day before every, or two days before everybody started running. So the salt, they've been mining the salt for 75 years and um, for potash and mag chloride and, and other things. And so they've been basically taking it away for 75 years. And, you know, something that was 12, 15, 18, 24 inches thick when my dad ran there in the 60s is now as thick being the, the the salt how thick it was to get you know down to the mud now it's a half inch an inch and um you know really? it, it's hurting just an inch yeah, an inch an inch at half inch in spots mud showing in spots two years and 17 and 17 running bonneville was like running the baja 1000 i mean when i went by the three mile sign and i can't remember how fast you'd be going three mile you know 300 and something miles an hour the sign the sign the mileage signs are four foot by four foot orange with a big black one two three four five six seven eight you know numbers in them i couldn't even see the three mile sign when i went by it was so rough um you know holes in the salt and everything else but it's uh it's mother nature and she you know she delivers what 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 you get is you know what you get so some years is good some years is bad but the fact that they've been mining it for 75 years is you know almost destroyed one of the natural wonders of the world you know uh when your dad was competing out there as you said it was california hot rodders and the guys they were really going against the most were the british and the british it was a much different situation for them is almost the entire british industry helping those guys build their race machines and go after these records whereas over here is just a bunch of hot rodders well that's exactly right ralph i mean it was like a national the brits held all the records for years in fact they still hold the you know the jet record so um, but yeah hot rodders and you know all these guys came back from the war when the war was over, WW2, and, you know, they didn't have a whole lot to do. And, you know, they started building hot rods and going out to El Mirage and the dry lakes in Southern California. And I think 1949 was the first year they started running a SCTA event, at Southern California Timing Associate at Bonneville. So, um, but in the 30s, uh, the Brits had come over and run over here, you know, to uh, first they ran in England on the beaches and then they ran, they went to Daytona Beach and they ran on the on the beach at Daytona. And then, you know, when it got too short and when people were getting killed down there, everybody migrated over to Bonneville. And I think that was the 1930s. But the first run at Bonneville, I think, was 1914 by Mercedes. So Bonneville, it's, it's a long it's a it's a misunderstood form of motorsports because it is it is so the people are so great. Uh, you, we, it's not like going to maybe a cup race or an IndyCar <laughs> race or something. You go in somebody's pits and, and you take a picture and they throw you out for taking a picture of their new wing or, you know, something like yeah. that. You go, you go to Bonneville and you walk into somebody's pits with a camera or something more than likely somebody's going to hand you a Coke and a wrench. And, and 20 minutes later, you're going to be part of the team. So <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's a pretty cool place. You know, Bonneville has kind of had a up and down as far as being in the national spotlight, I think uh, back in the day when the, those big numbers are being broken, 200, 300, 400, 500, uh, it was a big deal, right? Because those, those are big benchmarks. Uh, and then all of a sudden it kind of went away. It hasn't really been talked about for a while. And then all of a sudden the world's fastest India movie came out, the, the great story of Burt Monroe and everything he went through there. And that really kind of got people talking about Bonneville again. And then you come along with Challenger 2, and it really brought it back to the forefront. 
what is the future for Bonneville in racing? What what should we be looking for? I know there was some talk about maybe a run at a thousand miles an hour. Is is that possible? I don't think it's possible at Bonneville because there's a not not enough room. When we used to have a, a thirteen mile course, it was it was maybe possible for sure. But now if we get eight miles, we're pretty lucky. And eight miles to get going and get stopped. Now, the jet car, it'll accelerate faster because you don't have to worry about traction. And that's the biggest issue at Bonneville always is is getting, you know, traction to the ground. So the jet cars, I think, are they're out for Bonneville. But, you know, the piston cars, um, like we run wheel-driven cars, there, there's still some hope. But, you know, we need, we need to really get on with the Bureau of Land Management to, you know, restoring the salt so we can get back to 11, 12, or 13 miles so we can get those big numbers. And, and I think one of the biggest things that we need at Bonneville is we need to bring some younger kids into the sport. You know, we need to get these kids off their computers and, and back into working on cars and, and hot rods and, and, you know, using their ideas or innovations to come up and run. Cause you can just go up there and run. Heck there's like 500 different classes or something, um, you know, that, that you can go run from a, from a 50 CC motorcycle to a 400 mile an hour streamliner. So uh, ingenuity is totally up to the individual. So where do we go then? What's going to be the cool records to be broken? Well, I think, you know, right now we're at 448 with that car. I think the next big milestone for a piston car, piston wheel driven car would be 500 miles an hour. Um, you know, I've retired Challenger 2. It's down in Daytona Beach now at the Motorsports Hall of Fame America Museum. And so it's sitting down there, you know, so the public can see it. And it's sitting down there with Challenger 1, my dad's original car. So Challenger 1 and Challenger 2 are sitting side by side, which is like that. That is pretty special right there. Yeah. But I would I would like to build I would like to build a new uh, piston powered car and see if, uh, you know, see if we could bump that record up. What would that take, Danny? What What are we looking at? Because, again, you talked about this is all hot rodders, and you said it was $10,000 a pass back, you know, when you were running Challenger 2. What are the kind of numbers to go after a 500-mile-an-hour record? Because you got to find sponsorship, I assume. Well, yeah, that's the deal. And, and you know, we, we did this last one without ever having any real major sponsors. And uh, I, I certainly wouldn't do another car like that again, having to – I'm pretty proud and having to go out and beg for money and stuff was, was really hard for me. And in fact, we have, my wife, Valerie made this poster, um, or not poster, but big banner. We hung up in the pits last year of anybody who ever helped us from any part of donating, you know, money or products and stuff like that. And I mean, there's, you know, guys that gave $50,000 and uh, there's one small a uh, young man that came up with six years old and and wanted to donate and uh, he pulls uh, he pulls this dollar bill out of his pocket and I said uh, you know what why don't you keep that dollar save it for something else he goes no sir he says I really want to be part of this so so this That's sign cool. that or this banner that my wife made has everybody's name on it that helped us get to Bonneville and everybody's name is a sign that six year old's boy's name is the same size as that fifty year old or fifty thousand dollar donor so that's how we that's how we got through. That whole thing was was people coming out of the woodwork and, and helping us, uh, Eric Honing and uh, John Burke and, and some of these people, plus all of the volunteers that we had. So yeah. that 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 made that whole deal be even more special. But to build a new car and build it from scratch and, and do the engineering, we have uh, Tim Gibson, who is an, our engineer, 
um, who's pretty darn switched on. And, and, uh, you know, we talk, we talk about once a month about what, you know, what might be the possibilities for a new car and ideas and everything. So that, that would be, my goal would be, you know, to build a new car and see if we could probably bump that record up. 500, 500 is a, a magic number. Uh, Indy 500, uh, Daytona 500, you know, all those things. If you could go 500 miles an hour in a piston powered car, that would be way cool. What would it take horsepower wise to get there? Is, is the power there? Is the aerodynamics there? Do you know what it takes to do this? Yeah, and, and and you'd have to figure, you know, on your new design what it would take. But you can make the drag race guys are so switched on with making horsepower. Now they only have to make you know horsepower for four seconds. We had to make horsepower for basically sixty eight seconds. You know, it's a five mile drag race. Um, so I think you know I think if you had six uh, six thousand seven thousand horsepower and you could run it you know that that 68 seconds and but the one thing you have to remember you only have four hours uh to turn the car around to run it for your return run or if you're running fia only one hour so you got to simplify challenger 2 was was too complicated uh with two engines you know having to do the bearings every pass in a two-engine car is complicated so i would run a, a single a single engine car um, four wheel drive, and then you know, come up with whatever other kind of tricks you can to to come up with it. Uh, it take a lot of money, and you know, some some really good partners to do it. But it's, mm, I'm not saying that you could go out and go 500, but it sure be nice to go out and try. Is there a timeline? Um, I turned 70 this year, so I got to make it happen pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna make this break pretty quick, and we're gonna be right back with more of the Ralph Shaheen Show. Presented by Lucas Oil with our guest, Danny Thompson, right after this. Lucas Complete Engine Treatment is a multifunctional cleaner plus lubricant from the labs at Lucas Oil Products. It's designed for use in both engine oil and fuel systems. It also cleans and lubricates the entire gas or diesel fuel system from the tank to injectors. It contains special Lucas additives that cause the fuel to burn thoroughly and helps increase your miles per gallon. Expect longer engine life, longer oil life, cleaner exhaust, and less fuel consumption. Lucas Oil Complete Engine Treatment. It works. Race fans, it's Ralph Shaheen, and like you, I have a huge passion for racing. With the most in-depth features on racers, series, and events, no one covers racing better than America's original motorsports publication, Speedsport. Get your subscription to Speedsport Magazine today at Speedsport.com. Welcome back to the Ralph Shaheen Show, presented by Lucas Oil. Don't forget about our sister publication, Sprint Car and Midget Magazine. You can check them out at the website, SprintCarAndMidget.com. Of course, Lucas Oil, track-proven, race-ready. Find a Lucas Oil retailer at LucasOil.com. Danny Thompson, our guest here today on the Ralph Shaheen Show, and we're talking about your father, but your mother. This is a whole racing family uh, that you were born into. When your dad was off trying to figure out the next go fast thing your mom was pregnant with you and literally working on an engine when you were due to be born isn't that right <laughs> that's right she was uh she was pulling the heads off of an engine and my dad was at, at work at the la times and uh you know she went into labor and uh you know so yeah she it's a racing family my mom was there of course when my dad went 400 miles an hour in 1960 and then she's been there for all of our runs um you know 
here in the last few years. In fact, last year she had a, a stroke just about three weeks before it was time to go. And I'm talking to her and I said, you know, I, I don't want you to go. And because um, I don't want to have to worry about you up there in that hot sun and, you yeah. know, out there like that. And she looked at me and she says, son, you don't have a choice of what I do <laughs> or what I don't do. And I'm going to Bonneville. I love it. <laughs> and all I could say is, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we should also say she finished the work on the engine before she went to the hospital to give birth to you. Correct. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. So, and you know, and and talk about family. My son uh, Travis does all of our PR, and uh, he's just killed it. I mean, we just had a fourteen-page spread in the Smithsonian, you know, and wow. and that's so cool for especially for racing and and for land speed racing because that that's not a gearhead type deal. That's that is out to the masses. So it's really nice the things that he uh, you know that he got for us and um and doing pr and stuff and then my wife she's a team manager and you know she she did she runs that deal like it, it's an iron ship so it's it's nice to have everybody there and everybody helping and and all of the people frankie hanrahan was our, our crew chief and rc cat and uh richard was you know the engine guy and i mean it's just like it's it's a family it's so yeah. cool you know, there's so many things uh, that your dad did. And of course, the Mickey Thompson tires. A lot of people don't maybe realize that's even him. Uh, the IndyCar programs and so forth. But off-road was such a big part of his life as well. Uh, he started up the SCORE sanctioning body and then the Mickey Thompson Entertainment Group. Uh, talk a little bit about SCORE and MTEG and, and how those those came about. Well, I think you know, my dad went down to Baja and yeah. who this is – I can't even remember what year, but a long, long time ago. And he really, I mean, because of Indianapolis and some of the other things that he did, and and there was always restrictions on on everything and what you could and what you couldn't do and everything. And my dad fell in love with, with Mexico and Baja uh, and running off-road cars because if you ran class one or you know, now would be trophy truck or however it is, you were you were your imagination was not limited. You could come up with whatever you wanted to do. And I think that's what really really started you know got that thing going and just a, a quick story so we're running baja and my dad and parnelli were pretty uh mm, fierce competitors and <laughs> fair way of putting so, it yeah 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 I, I was trying to put that pretty nicely <laughs> but i mean we started this baja 500 and we started the race because the first i think 80 miles or so down to san quentin uh was on the asphalt we started the race on four drag racing slicks wow i mean and because it was all asphalt and, you know, Pardinelli was started, I think, three minutes or four minutes behind us or something. They ha We had a hell of a race down there on the asphalt. And then when it turned to dirt, we switched to uh, dirt tires, got all four tires changed before Pardinelli caught us. And we were gone and we were going down into uh, El Rosario. And yeah. my dad kept saying, watch for Pardinelli, watch for Pardinelli. And here comes Parnell and he's flying and uh, he hits us and, you know, kind of moves out of the way. And now my dad's got my, my dad's yelling, where is he? Where is he? So now I got my shoulder harnesses off and I'm looking backwards. <laughs> I'm being Ralph Shaheen. Cause now I'm calling the Ralph yeah. from inside the car, <laughs> telling him where he is. He's on the right. He's on the left. Oh no, he's upside down. He's upside <laughs> down. And he hits something and he falls and all back on four wheels and just, it takes off and he's gone and we're gone. Oh my gosh. And now my dad's driving. He's driving terrible, right? We're hitting stuff. We're running off the road and I'm going, Hey, Hey, come on, pay attention. We got to go. He goes, people have got to see this. 
He says, that kind of action people are going to see. And that was the start for score. Uh, that was a score race, but that was the start for the Riverside race where we went yeah. you know, to short course. And then that led into the Mickey Thompson Entertainment Group where you could take that chunk of Baja and bring it inside the Anaheim Stadium or yeah. LA Coliseum or something like that. And people could have a have a beer and a Coke and a hot dog and and, you know, we had 18 races and, and a three-hour period and six different classes. And, I mean, it was, you know, to me, still, that, that stadium uh, off-road racing was one of the best forms of motorsports I've ever been involved in. Me too. I got the uh, the lucky job of being able to commentate on those races for quite a few years, uh, watching you race, watching you run the sanctioning body uh, and everything that came with it. And the list of racers that came through there was remarkable. Of course, you know, you had the Iron Man and, and Steve Millen and his brother and, and all that. Um, but you also had guys like Ricky Johnson who came through there, and that's really how he began his four-wheel career. And then there was this kid I remember running in the uh, ultralight category. He was about 14, 15 years old when I first met him, named Jimmy Johnson. It, it was incredible. Watching Jimmy Johnson and Casey Mears it run that yeah. ultralight, I mean – they were, I mean, and both of those guys, I mean, Kate, uh, Casey went on to Indy cars and then on to NASCAR. And of course we know about Jimmy. I mean, I mean, when he came in there, he was like five years old and came in there and just yeah. <laughs> like, he shouldn't even been old enough to drive. And he's just going out there doing an absolute marvelous job. And, um, I mean, yeah, it didn't matter what the kid got in. He was amazing, but you know, and you had Rod and you had the Mearses, you had yep, Rick Mears come out of there four yep. time. IndyCar, you know, winner and uh, or Indianapolis 500 yep. winner and Roger, his brother, yeah, uh, and those guys were fun to race with. Roger's one of the best guys I've ever raced with. Um, you know, always raced you clean till you didn't race him clean, and you know, then it was a dog fight. But the, yeah, it was. I mean, what we described at one time as a it was like driving a or a, a ten minute airplane crash. You know, it was it was amazing, and you know, you call in the races and and that. Oh, hey, by the way, happy birthday tomorrow. Um, <laughs> you saw that, huh? okay? Yeah, throw thank that you. In there. Yeah, you, I'm 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 a little, I'm a couple laps behind you, but I think I'm closing in, unfortunately. <laughs> Well, we'll see. We'll have to go skiing. We, I see, I see you snow skiing. You know, I live up in Colorado. You have to come this way one time instead of over to consider Colorado it done. And, consider you know. it done. You know, as we Perfect. as we wrap this up, Danny, and, and it's been fun to go back through through some of these memories. But the thing that I I wonder about, you know, you were thrust into a challenging time when we lost your dad. Uh, and his wife, Trudy, at that, at that time, uh, you had to take over MTEG. You had to pick up and, and run with so much of the, the company and all that. And the biggest thing, I think, was Challenger 2. And now that you've accomplished that and knowing what it meant to you, do you feel like there's closure for you now? Have you done what you needed to do to solidify and cement your dad's memory in racing? In racing. Yeah, I think so in racing. I mean, there'll never be closure. Closure would only be if my dad was sitting here on the phone with us. And um, so there wouldn't closure. But to, to to finish what put my dad on the map, you know, I mean, Bonneville's what put my dad, you know, got my dad out there yeah. nationally and internationally recognized because, you know, land speed racing with the British and everything had a lot of international appeal. So um, it's it was really nice to bring that, you know, bring that home. And um, it chokes me up, actually. Um, so that was that was pretty, yeah, that was pretty darn cool. Besides my wife and my son, those are probably the coolest things ever. 
It's a remarkable story. If you'd like to read more about it, our buddy uh, Eric Arneson, as Danny mentioned, did a tremendous book about Mickey Thompson, and there's a lot of stuff about Danny in there as well. Danny, thank you for joining us today. We look forward to watching you chase 500. Well, thank you so much, Ralph. I mean, it, it's a real privilege to be on. I mean, the guests you've had on Swindle and, and Kinzer and, and Everham and, you know, Ricky and, you know, all that. I mean, it's a, it's a privilege to be on there. And thank you so much for, you know, covering Bonneville. Not only that, appreciate your friendship, buddy, over all the years. Thanks for joining us here. Danny Thompson on The Ralph Shaheen Show, presented by Lucas Oil. We'll see you at the races, everybody.